You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil I don't remember what I say. Hi and welcome. No, so I don't usually. Do I? Oh, Hail I know what it is. Well met. I know what it is. I okay. like that, Rachel. Welcome back to So You Want to Read Tolkien. This week we're discussing book four, chapter nine, She Loves Lair. Rachel just stole my job from me, <laughs> but we're gonna I'm go Caitlin. with that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay, you can steal my job, but not my identity, bitch. I'm Caitlin, and uh, this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just you know, you definitely can't cut that out if the way you introduce yourself is gonna be. Oh no so no no! Um, we're going with that. We're going with that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm Caitlin, and like much of the North American world, sorry. Europe and UK listeners, I am obsessed with Baby Yoda right now. That's fair. He's pretty cute. That's I haven't fair. seen it yet, but he's pretty cute. I am actually Rachel, and I have been like delicately balancing 78 million things in my life, which means that I'm super on top of everything, but have not had the opportunity to experience Baby Yoda yet. And I'm Emmy, and this last week, uh, Sims 4 dropped a new Discover University expansion pack, and that's pretty much all I've done for the past four days is try not to fail out of fake college. It's so on brand for you. Uh, listen, it really is. It's really hard. I don't understand. My Sims study all the time and do all of their homework, and they write really good term papers, and they still come out of their class with a B. I'm, like, really upset. Yes, noted Noted failing out of college with those Bs. Oh, no, I did actually fail a Sim out of college. She got, like, straight Ds and then was put on probation and then expelled, so... How do you live with yourself? I, you know, <laughs> I uh, left that save and then have never returned. <laughs> it's really bad because, like, that was her aspiration. Because Sims like can set dreams or whatever, and um, so her she, dream was to fail out of no, college. No, her dream was to go to college, and then she failed uh, at that aspiration, and so then her character will dwell on her failure in college. So it's not even like I can pretend it didn't happen. No, no. Every like three or four days, she sinks into a depression and remembers how bad she was. <laughs> but she okay, had a right really then. great keg stand, so. So it's been years since I've turned on a Sims game. Oh, but can't so you good. just like lock her in a pool and kill her? Oh, God, <laughs> yes. That's just so unimaginative now. Oh. You can you could kill them in so many ways. If you let the dishes get too dirty, they can be killed by the flies. <laughs> In their That's filthy great. house. I'm so I'm glad that, that doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> I'd be so dead. 
I mean, it's I, I, see. Yeah, I remember when the peak of like modern Sims was when they added it so that like when the Grim Reaper came, you could like make him possess you and stuff like that. Oh yeah, you can now add him to your household, or alternately, I'm, I'm aware you can seduce him, which is so funny because he also is aware. Up a skeleton. I mean, that means he always has a boner. Uh huh. Fantastic. I'm so glad we could all be here for that. I'm going to do the short summary, just FYI. Okay. We didn't say, did we say what it was? Book four, chapter nine, She Loves Lair. Yeah, right. I, I did. I did the introduction really well. <laughs> when I don't do it, I don't remember it, apparently. <laughs> so the characters for this chapter are, of course, Frodo and Sam, who are our designated spelunkers. We have Gollum, and it's all Gollum now. None of this shmi Gollumness. Um, and then, of course, Shelob, since the chapter is Shelob's lair. That's in no way a surprise. Um, she is a pure and utter nightmare, also a giant spider. And then we also have some honorable mentions to our dramatist persona. Um, Galadriel, who is, gives the best gifts. We have Arendelle, who is still flying across the sky with his uh, Silmaril star. And we have Ungoliant, who is, you know, the OG spider, original nightmare. <laughs> I think those that's are really good accurate. Characters. Those are really good it, characters. It, well done. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, both. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, the short summary. Frodo and Sam walk through the creepy tunnel and finally what? learn why it's called the Spider Pass. Creepy tunnel. Because creepy tunnel. nobody in this book was smart enough to figure it out beforehand. Uh, it's so bad. It just really makes no sense. Uh, so yeah, this chapter starts with Gollum leading the hobbits the last of the way up the stair until they come right up to the tunnel. We just sort of get right on with it. Gollum very helpfully says they've reached the entrance of the tunnel, but uh, the book notes that he doesn't give the name Torek Ungol Shelob's Lair, which still wouldn't tell them anything more about what it is aside from, you know, the word that they keep ignoring. I was just going to say, it tells them everything about it, but nobody... Yes. What? But they're not paying attention. No critical thinking here. Out of the tunnel comes the delightful smell of piles of filth, which is exactly what the smell is. Uh, so they go in and it's immediately complete darkness. It's actually described as um, how like night always had been and always would be and night was all. That was my favorite line from the chapter. It's such a good description, such a good line, and also terrifying. Uh, so the hobbits walk with each one touching one side of the walls, and Sam is first to find a passageway opening up on the right. And from there, they find more openings, but they kind of keep going along the main path since it's straight and sloping slightly upward. Uh, but then it becomes uh, what is my literal actual worst nightmare. <clears throat> and the hobbits feel things brushing against their heads and hands like tentacles or hanging growths. And no, just nope, 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 nope. I can barely handle seaweed in the ocean. <laughs> Nope. No. And then you know what it is. You know it's seaweed. This is just, oh. Yes. Uh, yeah. The thing about the ocean, though, is if, like, if seaweed is brushing up against your foot, you don't always know if it's seaweed. But at least it's not, you know, in a creepy tunnel, something hanging down where even if I knew it was spider webs, I would, that would just freak me out more. Yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't make it anything better. Right. Exactly. So Sam has a perfectly appropriate reaction to this, which is leaving the wall to hold hands with Frodo. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, suddenly they run into a huge opening, which kind of sends them both stumbling. And uh, this is actually 
from down this tunnel is the source of the terrible smell and also a creepy sense of malice because it wasn't enough of a haunted house yet. <laughs> You're like really doubling down on the creep factor. Seriously, this chapter's just like a whole horror novel in one. Mm-hmm. They do manage to make it past the evil passage, but soon they come to a fork in the tunnel. Frodo tries to call for Smeagol, but Smeagol isn't home right now. <laughs> Only Gollum is left, and Gollum has left. He gone. <laughs> the left passage, though, is blocked, so makes decision-making easy. They take the right fork, and as they do, they hear a gurgling noise and a hiss behind them, and again, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Sam puts his hand on the sword and is reminded of being in the barrow where he got that sword, and when Tom Bombadil came to save them, he wishes for Tom to be there now so he could take his rightful place as overlord of all things. Mm -hmm. uh, but instead, uh, Sam is sort of given a vision of a bright light and the memory of Galadriel giving Frodo the file. Uh, and Sam, of course, reminds Frodo of this, and Frodo then remembers Galadriel's words of that it was a light when all other lights go out. And, well, if there was ever a time... <laughs> It's, it's now. Like, he used it last chapter. How can you have forgotten so soon? <laughs> because creeping evil, Caitlin. Oh. That's how. Evil. Creeping evil. evil. Capital C, capital E. Uh, so Frodo does remember and pull out the file, and the light brings Frodo hope, and in turn, this makes it glow even brighter, until it's as if Erendil himself was there with the last Silmaril. Uh, Frodo, at this point, cries out in Quenya. Uh, Aya, Erendil, Elenion, Ankalima. And uh, although he doesn't know what he's saying, because we're still undecided on whether Frodo does or doesn't speak Quenya, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have the internet, so I know what it means. And it's uh, Hail Erendil, brightest of stars. Aww. You know. So we're I mean, still unsure if, appropriate. if Erendil is the star or if Erendil <laughs> has the star. Uh, yeah. Are they both? The star. The great thing is, I don't remember if... Did they name the star Arendelle after the person holding the Silmaril that's the actual star? Yeah, uh, but like, I don't remember if the, the Silmaril is strapped to the front of the boat or if it's strapped to his forehead. Maybe it is the boat. I th Maybe he's I sailing away on I think they said the it was Silmaril. on his brow. So I It is on his brow. It was definitely which is, yeah. esque Which is the funniest looking thing in my head. Because, okay, I, w I wasn't like picturing a crown. I was picturing like he took the Silmaril and tied it around his head. Like embedded it in yeah. his head. No, no, no! But like with a rope things. that he had on his boat, so it's like this frayed. Because <laughs> he's on the boat. Your mind is an interesting place. All I'm saying is, Arendelle is soaring across the heavens, looking fucking ridiculous or I mean, fabulous. Probably. He's in the sky. There's um, no judgment. <laughs> the real question. <laughs> there's no judgment in the sky. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like the real question is when we again remember that Arendelle is. Elrond's dad. Does uh, Elrond look up at the sky and say, hey, dad? I mean, yeah. Elrond seems like the kind of person who would pretend he has no parents, so it's hard to say. But like when he's alone in his room, having some doubts about the war and how it's going, he's like, oh, dad, I wish you hadn't turned into a star and left me. <laughs> I wish mom hadn't turned into a swan and followed you. <laughs> Why are all elves such shitty parents? <laughs> Say, <laughs> like, when you wish upon your daddy. <laughs> oh. Excuse me, I'd like to bleach my brain now. It's just, elf, elvish history is just so weird. Yeah. Very weird. We'll actually get to that later because there's a bit that kind of amuses me when you again think about lineage and whatnot. But yeah, so 
you know, we're hailing Arendelle, who may or may not be an actual star, but uh, the creature coming upon Frodo and Sam is an ancient evil, and she basically heard that exact cry from the elves back when they first made it, and Arendelle first may or may not have become a star. And so she's not entirely cowed by it. And uh, Frodo then sees the light of the file reflected in a cluster of multifaceted eyes. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, Frodo, that's just the theme of this chapter. It's just nope. <laughs> that's what it should have been this called. This chapter is when is this chapter going to be over? Because I would like to stop talking about creepy layers and spiders. Oh, guess what? There's a spider in the next chapter. I know. Like, it was she so bad. still there. Yeah. It, I it I doesn't get better. Escape. Nope. I did not. So did they. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, super creepy. Uh, Frodo backs away from the creature in fear, mm -hmm. rightfully so, but there's nowhere to go. So he gives himself a pep talk and tells himself to stand. Uh, He calls out for Galadriel and then pulls out Sting, which sparkles in the light and has just a tinge of blue at the edges. And the creature backs away uh, because... From sun and moon and star, they had been safe underground, but now a star had descended into the very earth. That was a good line, Which is my second favorite line in this chapter. There's some good shit going on. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of the super creepiness, I mean, there's good words of the super creepy. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be nearly so creepy if it weren't written so well. But she does leave. It's gone for now. (laughs) Frodo and Sam hasten through the rest of the tunnel, finally approaching the end of it. But just as they're about to escape, they go boing off a barrier wall of spider webs. Uh, Sam tries to hack at one, but his sword just bounces off. Frodo then tries his hand with Sting, which was made in Beleriand when the spiders were out in full force. And so with Sting, he's actually able to make quick work of the barrier and they escape out of the tunnel. Yay, Sting. Woo! Yay. It's very good against spiders. <laughs> That's it. Does seem to be its, its purpose. Yeah. Sam and Frodo at this point think they're free, but Shelob, who is at last named directly in this chapter, is crafty. And that means it's history time with dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favorite game show. Who is their parent? Uh, Shelob has lived in her tunnel for an age and was, in fact, there before Sauron and before the first stone of Barad-dur. Uh, she's been there feasting on elves and men and breeding a whole horde of lesser spiders, including the ones that attacked Bilbo and the company in Mirkwood. Lesser, but still terrifying. <clears throat> but Shelob herself is the last child left of Ungoliant. Uh, and as a reminder of who Ungoliant was, uh, she was the original evil spider who helped Melkor to kill the two trees back in Valinor. Uh, and... I found this really just sort of interesting to remember that like Frodo bringing the file of light against her is like it's it's a file of Silmaril light, which was, of course, light from the trees. Yeah. So he's sort of bringing the original tree light that so terrified and Melkor and Ungoliant back against. Well, Ungoliant wanted water. the light. She wanted to devour it. But Shelob is mm-hmm. like, get that shit away from me. <laughs> yeah. So something's switched tracks in the uh, ensuing years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm. Kind of delighted by the idea that the kiddos of two evil beings are now basically neighbors. <laughs> their 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 parents uh, teamed up and then you know betrayed each other and now they're yeah, they uh, live next door. They live next door. It's basically <laughs> a rom com. Oh feel my like gosh! There's in one of the Lord of the Rings video games that I haven't played. Shelob does become a sexy lady. I'm so shocked. Yeah. 
And so I would have never thought it. Maybe I like the idea of these two like hate fucking. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, look, we don't know the logistics. They could probably hate fuck as an eye and a spider. (laughs) (laughs) He has a penetrating gaze. (laughs) Trying really hard not to picture anything right now. So let's just go on. Anyway. It's a pair of neighbors with mommy slash daddy issues. Right. And deeply repressed feeling. Yep. <laughs> we also learned that Gollum... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the ridiculousness of what we just said just... Ta- oh, no, you... Okay. No. <laughs> my, my typo. <laughs> we also learned that Gollum came to Shelob many years before and worshipped her and promised to bring her food. Uh, Shelob has been very hungry with no elves or men coming through since Sauron took over and only getting miserable orcs. But now Gollum has brought her tasty food in The Two Hobbits. And at the same time, Gollum is hoping that once she's delighted in eating the hobbits, he'll be able to find the precious in their remains. We also learned that uh, Sauron is aware of his neighbor and perfectly content to cohabitate. Hate fuck. Hate fuck. He he sends her presents in <laughs> in some useful prisoners, and he also just doesn't mind a few random dead orcs. And Tolkien gives a really great description of, and sometimes as a man may cast a dainty to his cat. His cat, he calls her, but she owns him not. Sauron would send her prisoners that he had no better uses for. He would have them driven to her hole and, oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just ruined that line for myself. <laughs> He would have them driven to her hole and report back and report brought back to him of the play she made. I'm sorry, Tolkien, when I meet you in heaven or hell, wherever it may be. I'm sorry. I don't think you're going to. I don't think he would let you after this. He's not going to talk to you. Jeez. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway, I'm super amused by the idea. Right. His cat, he calls her, but she owns him not because like, you know, cats, cats own their humans. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's good. Anyway, uh, as Sam and Frodo walk, uh, Sam notices Frodo's sword glowing more blue. So he hides the file away, which he's now carrying it after Frodo hacked through the webs. Um, This is important in the future. And just as he does so, Shelob emerges and we get our first full proper look at the nightmare fuel. And I'm going to read this description so you can all be traumatized too. (laughs) Most like a spider she was, but huger than the great hunting beasts and more terrible than they because of the evil purpose in her remorseless eyes. Those same eyes that he had thought daunted and defeated, there they were lit with a fell light again, clustering in her outthrust head. Great horns she had, and behind her short, stalk-like neck was her huge, swollen body, a vast, bloated bag, swaying and sagging between her legs. Its great bulk was black, blotched with livid marks, but the belly underneath was pale and luminous and gave forth a stench. Her legs were bent, with great knobbed joints high above her back, and hairs that stuck out like steel spines, and at each leg's end there was a claw. That sounds shitty. Nope. Yep. Ass. Yeah, and we just, there's just so many of those, like, onomatopoetic gross words, and, like, she moves with, like, squelching, and, yeah, it's it's real gross. I don't know why, but every time he describes her bag or her belly, I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Ugh. Two, like, yep. perfectly normal words, but in relation to giant spider, I'm just, nope, I'm out, I'm done. <laughs> ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Do not want to meet. Honestly, like, the spider in the movie looks pleasant by comparison. Does the spider in the movie um, have horns? I don't think so. I, I think she just looks like a spider. Yeah, the horns throw me off in this description. This is the thing I find about any giant spider in fiction. Describing it, imagining it, terrifying. Seeing it on film, oh, it's a big spider. Yeah. 
Your your mind always makes it worse than it is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, this. I feel like this is a rare case where even like quote unquote seeing the monster in fiction mm-hmm. like still keeps it scary when they he just see does it, such yes. a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right when they see it. Like no, I, I right anything when you put actual visual to it, it's less scary. But a lot of the times, even in books, once it's named, the description doesn't fit the terror. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope. That's this. This fits fits the terror perfectly. Good work. A plus. <laughs> you don't fail out of college, Tolkien. Unlike Emmy Sims. <laughs> Unlike Emmy Sims. They tried so hard. Anyway, uh, Creepy Shelob manages to pop out between Sam and Frodo and focuses on Frodo for the moment. Frodo, at this point, is running forward heedlessly, and Sam Fair. calls out to him, only to be grabbed from behind by Gollum. And so begins a fight between Gollum and Sam, which is described in much detail, but is unimportant here. <laughs> uh, the key point is that Gollum underestimates Sam, and in the end, Sam comes out on top, and Gollum takes his chance and runs away. Uh, Sam turns around to go after Frodo, but he's too late. Dun-dun-dun. It's not even dun-dun-dun, it's like dot, 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 dot. Yeah. That, that, that. Next chapter. Yeah. Yeah. So this was one of those chapters that was full of great lines. Did you have any other favorites that the only one I specifically wanted to mention was the one about the dark at the beginning that I really Mm -hmm. liked? It's so good. The other one that I really liked was another sort of creepy one. And it's like about the type of lust Shelob has. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's like, little she knew of or cared for towers or rings or anything devised by mind or hand, who only desired death for all others, mind and body, and for herself, a glut of life alone, swollen till the mountains could no longer hold her up and the darkness could not contain her. It's just such a good, you know, description of the, the hunger and evil hunger. I just, I love it. I love most of the descriptions about Shelob from like a lyrical, grammatical point of view, but I don't want to read any of them <laughs> ever again. I mean, fair. I do like the bit, like when Sam and, and Gollum are fighting and gave to Sam a sudden violence and strength that was far beyond anything that Gollum had expected from this slow, stupid hobbit, as he thought him. And I, yeah, I liked that because it really showed how much Gollum had, uh, what's the word? underestimated there we go i was coming up with underappreciated uh underestimated sam mm-hmm. and then Gollum quickly gets his ass kicked. pretty much yep my other great bit is as i i kept googling kirith ungol uh for like logistical reasons mm-hmm. and turns out there was a heavy metal band called kirith ungol oh my god I knew there's a second search result on google from the 70s but they've recently reformed <laughs> So there you go. I had the type of high school teenager dumb that I, I knew who Kirith Uncle was and I mean, what their music That was. makes sense. Um, yeah. Lots, lots of uh, Lord of the Rings and Shelob and stuff in, uh, in, in, you know, heavy metal and rock music. Most yeah. famously by Led Zeppelin. Yes. I was going to say, we could have a whole episode just trying to, like, try to figure out what they're actually saying <laughs> in the Led Zeppelin song, because it just, like, it makes no sense, but also I love it. Right. It's just it's just in there, but that's super not the point. Yeah, I guess people people love those creepy spiders, man. Why not? I mean, Kirithungal is also just like a good name for a band like that. You know, like right the way it kind of it, it's like the opposite of smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in a good I, I way. I think it, it it really shows how good Tolkien was with coming up with his you know names and and languages. Mm-hmm. Is that you know the pass of the evil spider? The name sounds like 
it should be a death metal band. Yes, exactly. <laughs> just exactly as it should be. Yeah. So what do you think? They're going to get out of this one? Are they going to die? Predictions? Nobody's going to make it out alive. I mean, that's true of every situation, really. <laughs> Eventually, we all die. Eventually, so. we all go. Nobody makes it out of this life alive. And on that appropriately know. morbid note, Stop, someone. I feel like we've managed to go every possible direction in this one. We've got <laughs> some weird hate fucking. We've got some like dreadful morbidity, existential uh, crisis. We did. We hit all the high points. Existential crisis is my favorite. It's the perpetual mood. Yep. So, yeah, as we wrap up this episode, I want to just give a little plug. I, Rachel, guested on That's What I'm Talking About, a podcast by Mary Clay, where she talks about, oh my God, what is she? Okay. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, where Clay reads through Lord of the Rings books for the first time, and she knows just about nothing. And we discussed the second chapter of The Two Towers, which, as you may know, is uh, the one where we managed to go an entire time without talking about barebacking. <laughs> And somehow I managed to hold it together and not say it again. <laughs> so go listen to me pretend to be vaguely dignified for once. That's a complete lie. But it's a lot of fun. Um, it, by virtue of Time Vortexes, it should be up today. So go check it out. It was great. A lot of fun. Yeah, Mary Clay's awesome. a lot of fun. And her podcast is very good. And you should listen to it if you like Lord of the Rings. Which if you're listening to us, I assume you do. Especially if they've made it this far. Yeah. Either that or you just like our weird tangents about hate fucking. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Everyone. Literally anyone who was, yeah. Please. Especially because it's about a spider and a giant flaming eyeball. Anyways, so if you want to support our show, you can on Patreon. I don't know why you would. (laughs) Patreon.com slash so you want to read Tolkien for more flaming eyeball and spider hate fucking. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to support the show in a non-monetary manner, we always appreciate ratings and reviews on your podcast listening program of choice. You can follow us on Twitter and chat with us on Twitter about what Tolkien band is your favorite. And if it's not Blind Guardian, please leave our Twitter at ToReadTolkien. You can email us at wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com. And you can check us out on Instagram at instagram.com slash so you want to read Tolkien. Quick side note, which I meant to mention at the top of the episode, we are going every other week until the end of the year, at least, uh, just because our schedules are crazy and we were kind of forced to be every other week anyways. So we thought, why not get ahead of that and choose it instead of having it forced on us? Yeah. So check us out every other week through the holidays, back in the new year. Hopefully have our lives figured out. Darker and more powerful than before. Man, I think that's yes. the most adult thing ever. Maybe we'll have more time in the new year. That's never true. But we look, live at hope. least okay. Here's here's the real problem. The holidays are like all in the middle of the week this year, right? No, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like that was that was my thinking. Is like you know, Christmas is Wednesday, Thanksgiving is or New Year's is Wednesday. Uh, Thanksgiving is always a mess. I mean, American Thanksgiving, real Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Was, has already passed. I, I already did Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's it. So we will see you all in two weeks. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Caitlin. Um, next week, we're going to be reading yep. the final chapter of The Two Towers, <laughs> The Choices of Master Samwise. Yay, Sam! Yeah, come check us out next week. I've been Rachel. And I've been Emmy. And we'll see you then. Bye. 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 Bye.